You're visiting the mom next door and our stories of faith. I'm glad you dropped by for a visit. Please stay a while and hear what the Lord has done in the lives of moms just like you and me. I hope all the moms listening had a wonderful Mother's Day in whatever way you celebrated. We're doing some new things here because I have another guy on my podcast today. I know I said it's the mom next door, but you know what? I love moms and I love talking to women and hearing their stories, but there's definitely times that getting a perspective of a man is also important in our parenting journey and hearing from from guys, that's important. So I want to introduce you to Dr. Corey Gilbert. Uh, When my twins were 14 or 15, maybe you remember Corey, um, they got invited to another young man's birthday party. I think it was a birthday party (laughs) and, but it was a party with a purpose. And when my boys came home, they told me all about this dad that was there and he gave a presentation. And uh, I just thought that was really cool uh, that they took captive that time of a bunch of young men getting together to speak life into them. And that dad who spoke was you. And uh, so I'm excited to hear what you have to say. And I'd love for you to just introduce yourself and jump in. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Excited to talk to you and your audience and look forward to our conversation today. I guess a little bit about me. I'm married 18 years this summer to my best friend and have three experiments. I mean, kids. And so it's amazing to watch them grow and that journey as, as a parent. Uh, we homeschool our kids. And that's been a a journey as well. My wife coming from public school teachers as as parents. It's interesting to watch that journey. But then I'm also a missionary kid. Grew up in South America as a missionary kid. And so my first English class was like my senior year of high school. So that's been an interesting part of my journey, even just navigating. And then now writing my second book and my wife editing it and butchering it because my English was... My, my writing is so bad. And that bond you as a couple. So I'm also a marriage and family therapist and speaker and professor at university and just keep myself busy. I like that. I like that your wife is now your grammar teacher. <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yes. You know, I remember the first time she helped me with that. I did not like it. <laughs> it's like, I can do this by myself. And it's like, oh, gosh, you're so good at this. So. <laughs> Let her do it. Let her do it. Yep. Yep. So what are we going to jump in and talk about today? You have a lot of experience and I, I'm trying to take apart the, the conversations we've had in the past uh, to know even where we're going to jump in. So what, what do you see in the culture? What do you see with young women, young families? You work at a college, so even college students, where do you see the culture and how does that affecting our lives as moms and as women? I think my biggest concern right now in culture is how much we're listening to culture and how there's subtle shifts in families that are going further and further away from the gospel, away from um, uh, any kind of ethic that's biblical. And it's a really, it's subtle. So seeing college students are already come in so jaded by the world, but they don't even see that. They just see that as, well, that's just love. And so their definition of love, seeing them get married and how quickly they can abandon the marriage because, well, it's just not fun. Uh, I'm not happy. It's like all the wrong measuring sticks 
Um, my wife and I got married and spent, I was walking with a cane when we got married and doctors said I would never work. And at 11 months after getting married, I ended up in the ER and them saying that I wouldn't make it. That's marriage. Marriage is stuff that you don't expect. You don't like you wouldn't sign up for in some sense. And then it's full of incredible joys in the journey as well as you partner together. So my concern so, for so many is for some moms and dads, they're running from something. So I see them homeschooling even to run from the world and their kids end up graduating and they're a mess as well. I've seen that a lot. And I've also seen um, some that, that are, I guess, searching for something, but they don't realize that their past is haunting them, that they can't dream. And so it concerns me that that ethic, that's kind of depth that seems to be, be lost right now um, in families, husbands and wives that are just completely disconnected. They're doing separate things. They don't talk much throughout the week. They connect a little bit over the weekend. They're just kind of surviving. As a Christian, to me, we should look different. And I just don't see that. I see us um, looking the same as everyone else around us, in debt and in stuck and busy and um, reacting to the news, which we probably shouldn't watch because it's just insane. Um, just not living content and healthy and whole and gospel-centered and you know, raising our children to love other people, to care for others, to be intentional. So that's kind of where I'm a big burden for me. Yeah, sure. That's huge. And so I have to say, step back and we see mm -hmm. this issue going on right now, but often we humans just mimic the things that we saw. So we're stepping back even generations before us and maybe starting to model our marriages after what we saw before us. So bring us back to uh, where do we go? What do we do? What does that look like? So yes, I think we do. We stick to what's familiar. It, it, it's hard for my mind to wrap around how someone who grew up in a home where they had a mother or father drink all the time and they're abusive, why would they ever touch alcohol? Yet the reality is that you stick to what's familiar. So you saw that, you witnessed that, and then your go-to escape will be alcohol. How someone who, could, who was sexually abused as a child, why they would ever harm someone else. But as they get older, they stick to what's familiar. And so it's scary to me to think of all these things that we do and how we do life. And how do we disrupt that? How do we get a new dream in there? How do we get a new vision in there for, for our, 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 our marriage, our family, the schedule of our home? It takes actually sometimes more trauma or something really bad to happen for us to finally wake up uh, and, and change that intentionally. So my, my heart and my passion is to come in there and kind of mess some things up and then create that new vision and that new purpose. And no, you don't have to be like that person down the street because we're always comparing ourselves to other people. And with social media, that's a dangerous, fa false um, comparison. Well, I was just talking to a mom a couple of weeks ago when we were saying it is so hard to uh, separate out the things that we do and our responsibilities as parent, spouse, even uh, our responsibilities to other generations. It, there's a lot of things we juggle and a lot of plates we 
we carry. So when you get in there and disrupt what's going on, so what you're saying is it's going to hurt maybe, and it may be a little dark before the dawn because you're going to work through some things. So what does that look like? So I have been teaching at a university for 16 years, um, different universities. And one of the first two classes I started teaching was human sexuality and trauma. The trauma class started as a crisis counseling class. And then I started realizing, wow, we're not touching some of the depths of some of these scary issues like incest and sexual abuse and these things that I just started studying and studying and studying and learning about and clients would come out of the woodworks with stories that taught me. And so 16 years of that, and now I've been licensed and working as a counselor for 21 years in private practice, seeing this stuff over and over and over. And what I've started doing the last couple of years is using the course that I've taught at the undergraduate and graduate level as kind of the backbone to walk through a person, a family, couple sometimes, but oftentimes it's just the wife to walk through, how does my past haunt me? How does it reach its tentacles in and seem to mess with my life? And I feel stuck. I feel arrested. I feel I can't be present with my husband. I can't be present with my kids. I want to, but there's just there's something holding me back. And so then I walk them through basically teaching. And what I have found is for most women and most couples, when you get, it's an eight week course, when you get to the end of that, they don't need any more counseling. Just understanding that I'm not crazy, that I arrived here on uh, almost even against my will, kind of honestly, that there's things that hurt me that I have not overcome and I probably couldn't overcome just because I prayed about it or because it's just a snap of a finger. It's like, I need to understand how that stuck, got me stuck. And they understand the power of shame and the power of hate and contempt and just the pathways we go to try to fix it, which ends up being a really good band-aid. And I am not present as a wife, not present as a spouse, as a mom. In that process, usually about three weeks in, I already see a different person. Every once in a while, at the end of the eight weeks, I see some that go, okay, now I need to talk through some stuff more. But most of them don't. Because they realize talk therapy means I talk about my story and I actually end up just reliving a lot of it and I feel further harmed. I don't want to relive those things. I want to be free from I can't erase them, but I, we uh, trauma is stored in a different place in the brain, separate from our other memory. So when I understand how, and the picture I have is it's like in a bubble. So that's why I can recall vividly certain things. Our normal memory is supposed to fade with, with time. So in that bubble, sometimes the bubble is clear and I have connections between things where a song is played and I, I know exactly where I'm at and it's scary. Other times it's real foggy. So there's all these triggers that just, they take me somewhere and I don't know where. And the goal is to pop that bubble. And then those memories can go back into my filing system and they can fade away like they're supposed to and not be able to reach in and, and take over. That I'm actually made up of a lot of different parts. There's a part of me that's still 16. There's a part of me that's just can get angry. There's a part of me that's more that hurt part. When I understand that how complicated I am, I understand I, I have more grace for myself. I can now put words and vocabulary to tell my husband or my kids, hey, this is what I'm really feeling. And it's like, oh, wow, I feel free now. I can stand up for myself. And I actually need to raise my boundaries more often than not, not lower them. 
oftentimes we see boundaries as unloving and it's like, no, that's, if you don't take care of yourself, you're not, you're not helpful to anyone around you. So being able to have those are, are critical. And I see a lot of boundaries between a husband and wife where they're not being treated with respect and a husband who really wants to, he just doesn't know how, which is where I like to partner with the couple and help her teach him and then him teach her, how do you love me? And it's a journey. Uh, what's his name? Sacred, sacred marriage. Thomas, Gary Thomas. Um, the tagline for his book is marriage is about not, not about making you happy, but making you holy. It's like, this isn't supposed to be this, you know, pie in the sky, you know, life's amazing and it's always wonderful. It's, this is a journey and it's literally the, the vows and richer or poor, in sickness and health. I love the traditional vows because it's no matter what's around the corner, I'm in this together with you. And so sometimes the husbands don't know how to be in this with you and she doesn't know how to tell him. So part of it's cleaning up some of that. And then you get to the end of this and you realize, I don't need to talk through stuff. I feel already different. I show up different. And my measuring stick is, and forgiveness has become something that is a no-brainer. It's not ever easy, but it's a choice I, I want to make because I break free. And then I can start dreaming again. That's to me the exciting part. I can now start seeing past just survival or I can actually have desire and implement or seek out my husband or seek out certain other things that, that bring me joy where I was actually stuck. I think it's so common when somebody does have this history. I mean, any human nature, really, we just keep doing the same thing over and over expecting a different result. And uh, so what your course is going to do is, is to, and to work through that so that you don't continually just run in circles. Right, exactly. So you are in Oregon, as so many of my friends and my guests are, but uh, obviously this podcast goes out everywhere. So do you have tips of how people can find local connections or is there, uh, I'm going to make sure that at some point we put in your website and I know they can find you. Is this course also something online? Yes. So the, this, for this part, it's trauma to transform.com. You go to trauma to transform.com and it's, it should have a little, little video class that kind of teaches about this. And then you can sign up to actually talk with me. And my goal is to have a, you know, as long as we need to conversation to see if I can just help you right then and there. And then if you want to partner with me and us do this together, um, I have different ways to do that. Um, if you go to my other website, drcorygilbert.com, that's where there's access to coaching and counseling and other courses, I have classes on dating, kind of a biblical picture of dating. Uh, I've got books, another one coming out here soon and just have different resources, YouTube channel, podcasts as well. And just my goal is to love people and to serve people and to raise the bar. I was working with someone recently who was all about just finding freedom. You know, just my, my goal is to be able to go play. And I just remember kind of sitting there and going, no, my, my time on this earth. Yes. I, I went skiing a few weeks ago. That was fun. I had a great time with Alex um, snowboarding and I enjoyed that, but it is back to work. Why to me, there's too much need out there to just sit around and play all the time. So whenever I have extra time, it's more work. 
why? Because I actually don't see work as work like a lot of people see work. I love seeing lives changed through my students, as a professor, through, as a counselor, as a coach. I love to speak at events. I would love to come to your next anything event. I mean, and there's no cost. It's just, I'd love to be able to be a presence to your community and then see how I can bless them beyond that. Um, I went and spoke at a, a men's retreat a few years ago and it was funny. I, you know, they didn't pay me anything and that's fine. Two years later, a guy reaches out to me from that and ended up becoming a client. And it's like, that's how I do, do this. Yes. obviously have to get paid for stuff, but my heart is loving people um, kind of exposing the darkness um, our culture right now, I think most of us are a little kind of jaded and twisted and um, I am constantly questioning myself even and, and talking to my own mentors and people about making sure I'm thinking right. I tell my students all the time, if anything I say from the, this position as your teacher, as your professor is against scripture, then I'm wrong and you have the, the imperative to call me out on it. Be nice, but please... <laughs> please tell me, please talk to me because it's, um, that's my heart is that everything I do and say is from backed up by bathed in scripture. Okay. So give me some tools because I know that a lot of women do kind of have this stirring in them and they know that they have some stuff that they are going to need to work through. Uh, they know it may be things that they work through on their own, but they also know that their husband does have a part or will play a part. Uh, if he's part of uh, the issue in a negative way or just her companion now who walks beside her as she looks back at things, what tools do you, can you give us as women to talk to our husbands and let them understand the need, the need for us to work through these things? And then also to get them to go ahead and just come with, you know, cause sometimes I know the guys aren't so interested in coming with. And that's, that's the biggest struggle. I would say that's one of the biggest hurdles, especially when you involve finances, like I'm going to pay for something. And it's like, no, you're not. It's like, sometimes you just have to, that's the hard part. What I have found in my 21 years working with couples, um, almost every couple I work with, not everyone, but almost everyone, it started with her. She came in alone. And so she took the step to say, I need help. What we do is one of the first sessions is we're praying that he comes. We're, if he's not already there, we're asking God to, to do something and stir in him what only God can do. And then she goes home with a lot more skills or a lot more tools to, to know what to do and how to love him, how to draw him out. And then we go from there. Others though, I never see the husband. They don't. And so what, one of my goals is to equip her. Of how do you change him? And the, the simple tip is you change. We always want to change each other. Husbands and wives are always trying to. And it's like the only way that I really change them is I change. I change the way I respond. If I'm a louder person, I shut my mouth. If I'm a quieter person, I learn to speak up. I do things that, differ, that are different. It's called systems theory. When one thing changes in the system, the whole system has to adjust. Just like when a kid graduates and leaves the house, and you know this, your whole family has to adjust to, to um, the new family that's now missing that one piece that 
that um, was a very important part of the whole. Even a little shift in personality, everyone in the family feels it and has to adjust. So she, if I can help her get words and vocabulary and understanding to what she really wants, she's his best teacher, way better than me. And so a lot of times that's what we spend a lot of time on is helping her know what she's really looking for, needing or wanting, and then knowing how to say it and how to voice it. Every once in a while, I have a husband where he's not listening to her. And so someone like me needs to come in and be a little more forceful as to know this is what she's saying. And I don't like that either, but um, my, my desire is to help empower um, her. Same for parenting. I work with kids some. I don't like it. I actually prefer working more with the parents because they're the ones on the front lines. They're the ones dealing day to day with the issues. I want to help empower them to lead their kids. When they're younger, that's easier. When your kids are 16, 17, that's a lot more difficult um, to do. So to give them tools of how to lead this young person versus feeling like you're dragging or you're pushing so the skills become critical. And what you'll find is most of the stuff is not some radical, crazy shift or change or, or big mountain decline. It's little, tiny, subtle things. I, I'm taking notes here and I have a few thoughts or questions. Yeah. And one was just an observation that I think sometimes a husband and a wife or even a parent and a child we need a translator and you're kind of the translator because sometimes we, we are just speaking in different languages or we're both trying to express uh, the same thoughts and maybe we even see things, maybe we even see the exact same thing and have the exact same opinion, but we're not expressing it in a way that conveys that to each other. And so it becomes a stumbling block and a place for contention. And so sometimes just stepping back and having a translator is what we need to be able to work through that and and have a better peace in our home. We think about the Mars and Venus book way back when John Gray, it's such a cheesy book really, but it's the idea that we're from different planets and it's like, we are, but we're not. We're so alike in how we're made, but we think and we see the world so different. I feel like we're trying to erase those differences in our crazy culture versus celebrate that men are different than women and the variety of men and the variety of women are, are unlimited. We're not in, a, in little boxes. So how to celebrate, I feel like couples are constantly on different wavelengths. So being able to sync up is a very difficult process, but again, it's often not a huge, huge hurdle. It's more of a, a small tweak. Sometimes it's just pausing long enough to just be quiet and listen and ask questions to further understand versus always jumping to our next thing that we're going to say in our defense. One of the things you said was shift and it's not uh, a monumental change. It's a shift. And, and I was thinking that how you're speaking of uh, shifting our vocabulary and shifting our behavior in a positive way. And then the family sort of recalibrates around that. And then I think so many times we can look back to maybe a hard or negative season in our life and realize that uh, there was a shift there, but it wasn't a shift for the positive. And uh, it was, it was a slow, isn't there a song? The slow fade, right? <laughs> 
it's a slow fade. It's these, <laughs> these little tiny shifts. And um, that's encouraging to know that we can step in and take those little tiny steps to bring it back around and to change our family. And it'd be okay to do that. It'll be okay that my wife and I are constantly having to make sure we recalibrate. You know, it just things happen and life happens and you start realizing, wow, I feel like I'm a million miles away from each other. It's time to just pause and it could be just a conversation. We're back on the same page again. It doesn't have to be something huge, but life's, life's, I mean, Satan's out to steal, kill and destroy. He wants you separated. He wants you divided. He wants you against each other. He's using social media and politics and you just name it. He's dividing families right now. Families that are so divided over, you don't love me because you won't wear a mask, you know, that kind of stuff. The division over masks, the division over the vaccine, just you name it. My picture of Satan is he's sitting in a big lazy boy chair, kicked back, smoking a cigar, doing nothing. Because we're just doing it all ourselves. Just living in division versus stop, stop, pause. We're on the same team here. Let's, let's recalibrate, like you said, let's get on, the, let's get onto the, the same game, the same team, the same, you know, planet, if you will. And my goal is to love you. My goal is to support you. My goal is to be your biggest fan uh, and we lose touch. So give me a few ideas. What is the best prevention for this? Like, is there, I know we don't have a formula exactly. And every couple is different. Every family is different. Every situation but are there some repetitive things you see that are potential pitfalls or things we can do to work towards catching this before it becomes an issue? The number one that comes to mind that I'm seeing amongst a lot of couples right now is what I mentioned before of talking. The amount of time couples tend to talk to each other is, I think I've seen one study that said 30 minutes a week. I mean, no, that stop, quit your job, move, get into an apartment if you have to. There's no amount of money or job or cool house or fast, whatever kind of vehicle you you are fascinated by that's more important than doing life together. So you've chosen, you've created this life that's so separate. It's time to just stop. I had this one couple one time, the husband was a builder and he's building this dream house for the family plus a million other jobs to make money and the teenage it was a teenage stepdaughter finally said I just want you and you're losing your younger kids too because you're so focused on this dream you're missing out on us and I was like he all of a sudden just froze and I also came to Christ during that time which was really cool but he froze and realized he was pursuing the wrong part of the dream if you will his kids would rather go play and do stuff together than have the, the stuff, the, the toys. A lot of divorces, same thing. They have the stuff that I just want you. And yeah, they like the stuff, but in the end, they don't care about the stuff. They just want you. Yeah. So when we think about how we communicate, I think about all the things I've read and been told about communicating with a teen son. And I hear a lot of you know, guys don't want to talk. Your teenage sons don't want to talk. Men don't want to talk, but you're saying talking is so important. And so what I'm trying to figure out in my mind, is there some point when, you know, they say, don't just 
sit down and talk to them, go do something with them. And it is in the doing that you create that communication and uh, have that open door for conversation. So does that change when they're a man? Does that change when they're a husband? Or, you know, is going and doing something with your husband when you have these talks beneficial? Or do you just sit down for coffee? Or what does that look like? Well, it's funny because like I'm not the typical guy. I'm the talker. Uh, We joke in my marriage that I'm the girl. I'm the emotional one. I cry all the time. She's the intellectual, the smarts, the steady, even person. Um, she's, she's a lot more, she's an elite from the legal field yet. It's being married has made my life make more sense and made her life make more sense. It's a really cool thing. And we met in our late twenties. She owned her own house. She didn't need me to save her life. Had a great job. Didn't need me. Need me. And the model we have of marriage is, you know, find someone, especially a guy and rescue her and you know, know you're, you're enjoying each other's lives and you're actually enriching, hopefully, each other's lives both ways. So talking, it's funny how we did that when we were dating often and then we just kind of put that up on a shelf. I strongly agree with the, it's in the doing. Think of a teenage son. Um, our teenage son's driving now. So he's a captive audience when he's driving us around. And that's been a fun com- place to have conversations. So finding something that you can do together. We go camping a lot. It's amazing what will happen around a campfire. We do Boy Scouts. And so I love, we finally had a camp out that was successful a few weeks ago. And us dads sat around the campfire for seven hours that first night. I mean, just conversation after conversation. And it was so enriching. And we used to do this every month. But because of this past year, we've lost lots of campfire time. I don't understand this. But for some men, you facing them and looking in their eyes, they're going to shut down. Sitting at a ball game where you're staring out at the ball game, they'll talk forever. So I've had to learn, because this isn't me, how to sit next to a person side by side and talk this way when I want to sit and go. <laughs> so it's figuring out your, your boy, your husband, and where do they you know, come alive or come out. And it's going to be different. It might be outside on a, on a journey, on a trip, on a you hike or something outdoors or doing something. Um, but we're all so different. That's back to where we need to be able to um, lean into those differences. My two boys are so different. And so I'm going to find them in different places, places, if you will. And I can't, you know, cookie cutter. So yeah, the talking is critical. As a husband and wife, finding ways to connect verbally uh, with dreams and, and burdens and struggles and Um, I check in as often as I can with my wife, make sure she's, are you okay? Is there something I'm missing? Um, Because life can get busy, especially like this season right now, end of the semester and grading. And I I check out more and it's it's easy to to get disconnected, imperative that we stay on the same page, same team. So in that, so the talking, and you bring up the other part of that, it's adventures, it's doing stuff. My wife can't stand concerts or plays or like big, big like events. Yet she's bought me tickets to like the Blue Man Group. And she even brought a book to read. She's like, it's going to be boring, but I'm going with you. And she didn't take her book up. I was so proud of her. She enjoyed it. Or Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Oh, that was the most amazing, amazing music. Felt like the best worship time ever. And she's bored out of her mind. So she does stuff with me and I do stuff with her. And you learn. I'm hearing from young couples right now more than ever 
I don't know if we can make it work because we're so different. I'm like, oh, gosh, if you were the same, you would cancel each other out. This is a beauty in how different you are because you're going to experience things because you married that person that you never would have experienced. And it's supposed to be a good thing. So find beauty in the differences. Yeah. How boring would it be, right? If we were all the same, that would be terrible. It'd be really boring. So one question that another one I have, I'm just going to take opportunity of having you here. So take the conversation that we're having driving along or sitting at, you know, sitting out somewhere. How do we take that conversation and um, make it go from this surface level that doesn't really, you know, like, okay, I'm just doing the weather talk, but what's really on my heart is to go deep. Now, do you have any pointers to that, to just how do we jump in? Yes. There's actually a really cool one that Les and Leslie Parrott came up with for themselves and then kind of shared it with us, uh, you know, the world. And it's called the withholds. Every single day that goes by, we have things we want to say that we don't say, positive and negative, every single day. And if every few days you have the habit of kind of going, you know what, let's do the withholds. And the way they set it up was grab a napkin and write it down so you didn't change yours. Write it down, two positives and one negative. You know, the other day you came down the stairs and you're wearing this beautiful dress. And I meant to say how beautiful you were, but yeah, we just rushed out the door and I didn't get that chance to say, hey, um, how, you were beautiful yesterday. Oh, thank you. And the rule is you can only answer with thank you. So that when you get to the negative one, you know, the other day we were in a group of people and you started talking. And the next thing I know, I was kind of edged out of the conversation and you kind of moved in and I'm standing behind you. And I felt so alone in that moment because you were, you were in your element and I felt like I was being lost. What's the response? Thank you. There's no defense. There's no making excuses or, or anything in that moment. Wait for a little bit, 20 minutes, heart rate goes down. (laughs) And then you come back and go, can we talk about that? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Now I'm making connections versus if I just defended myself. And so the goal is to find a pattern that works for you. That's one from, from Lesson Leslie Parrott that allows you that space to kind of go in there or that permission to go into some little harder conversations of, you know, I've been thinking that this needs to change in our sex life, or I would love to see this happen more for us, or, you know what, you're missing this with the kids. Those are, I've hated those questions, those conversations. Or my, my wife has kind of called me out on a parenting thing. But my first reaction now, it wasn't in the beginning. First reaction in the beginning was, how dare you? I'm the one that reads all the parenting books. I'm the shrink. Um, And she's right all the time, every time. (laughs) But now my first reaction is, I'm so glad she feels safe enough to say that. Because I see so many couples where she wouldn't bring up anything like that because she feels like he would lash out or he does lash out. And she doesn't feel safe. So husbands, what do we need to do? Create a safe place wives too, and be someone that actually is willing to go there and listen and say thank you and not defend. And then later have a, have a growing conversation. So I feel like that's a really critical way to get into it. A kind of a, a way to permission to get into those conversations. That's really good. Thank you so much. And it's been great having you here today. I wanted to, I want to have you back another time. And when you come back another time, we're going to talk about the books that you wrote, because those are going to be really helpful for the families to 
Well, let's just say the title of one of your books is I Can't Say That. And we know that you are a counselor at, that talks about a lot of hard stuff. And so I want to have you back sometime and we'll chat about the content of those books and how you work through that as a parent. But for today, give again your website of how we can get a hold of you. Sure. So the main website is drcorygilbert.com. So drdrcorygilbert.com. Go there. There's all that stuff. All the links are on that website and places where you can fill out a form and just uh, reach out to me um, or even book a call for us to, to talk. Um, also through that, you can go to the trauma to transformed.com. So that's another, that's one of the main things I'm really focusing on right now. Um, and it's conversations with you, uh, w- women, moms who are really, really stuck, who want, who's just sit, you're sick of it. And I want you to, to be sick of it so much so that you're willing to go, I want different. I want better. I believe God wants better for me, for my marriage, for my parenting, my role as a parent as well. So we'd definitely be honored to talk with you. Well, thanks so much. And I just want to ask you if you would pray us out today. I will. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for uh, leading us and using us. It just, it's so humbling to see. And I just, I thank you so much for Pam and her heart and her desire to serve and influence and, and be a light in such a, a difficult, even this right now season. Um, Lord, may we as a family create a family um, that shines, that that makes a difference around us that others see and want to be a part of or want to be uh, to mimic to to do it um, that way themselves. This is a crazy difficult life. And we know that from disease, from health, from mental health issues, but also just the culture and how it's shifting so much. Um, Lord, may we may we be able to make changes in our circle around us, whether it's getting involved in stuff politically or whether it's reaching out to the neighbor that's struggling getting involved in a local church, but I just pray that we don't forget our number one ministry and that's our family, that we actually really dive into um, learning and growing as with the hat that we're the main hat, mom, dad, husband, wife, parent. Uh, God, I just thank you for that blessing. There's a lot of people that that's all their, their heart's desire is to be either married or have children and that door is not open yet. I just pray that we can be um, good examples for them for their future as well and thank you for using us in each other's lives because you so don't need to uh, it's so humbling lord and just thank you for for me for the chance to have the permission and the, the space to have hard hard conversations um, again may we honor you and all that we say and do in jesus name amen amen i hope that you've been encouraged or challenged in your faith today and that something we discussed prompts you to grow deeper in your walk with the Lord. If it has, make sure you tell a friend so they can grow along with you. And if you or a friend would like to be a guest and share about God's faithfulness in your life, please email me at podcast at Because when we tell of God's faithfulness, we never run out of stories. Whatever is true. Things. Mm-hmm.